Buonasera a tutti, good evening and welcome to the Italian Radio Hour. Io sono Viviana and I would like to welcome back our regular listeners and also welcome any new listeners. Also be sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook at the Italian Radio Hour and subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch up on any past video interviews. Vorrei dare il benvenuto ai nostri ascoltatori da tutto il mondo, grazie per essere con noi anche oggi mentre continuiamo il nostro viaggio per l'Italia e la cultura italiana. Well, today's episode is definitely going to bridge Italy and the United States and specifically also Pittsburgh in a way that is going to take us home to watching the TV and uh, following the great adventures and uh, successes of a man that represented so much for um, many of us, again, both in Italy and the United States. His full name, Bruno Leopoldo Francesco San Martino, uh, more familiarly known as Bruno San Martino, uh, defined as the Italian Superman, the star of all stars. But today's conversation um, with uh, Larry uh, uh, Richard and his son, Daryl San Martino, will focus both on the Italian Superman, but also a man that was very humble, very inspiring for all of us. And again, a good, a great provider for his family. But before diving into this beautiful conversation and maybe also take a tissue box close to you, uh, let's talk and uh, let's have a little publicità. Parli italiano, do you want to learn, improve of master your Italian? Istituto Mondo Italiano can help. Located in the heart of Regent Square, Mondo Italiano offers small group classes and one-on-one private tutoring to help you learn Italian in no time. Visit us online at www.istitutomondoitaliano.org. Well, welcome to the program, uh, Larry, and welcome, Daryl, as well. Thank you so much for joining the Italian Radio Hour. How are you tonight? Thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Grazie, grazie. Buonasera. Benvenuti <laughs> nello Associazione Italia Romanicana di Sport Wrestling. Mamma mia, Larry, where is old your Italian coming from? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Daryl's heard it a thousand times, but uh, my family, la famiglia, uh -huh. is from the same town. My wife's father, grandfather, and a great grandfather came from Pizza Farad in uh, Abruzzo on the top of the Apennine Mountains, about three and a half hours car drive east, northeast of Rome. Mama, so, the Pizza Ferrato connection. Yes, because so many of the people, as we learned from that region, came to Pittsburgh to find work at the turn of the last century. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, after World War II, as with Bruno's family, they came to escape war-torn Italy to find a new hope in America. And their connections, in many cases, led them to Panther Hollow and Pittsburgh and mm -hmm. South Oakland. So Bruno came to South Oakland, and there were many people from the general region from not only Pizza Parade, but Gambarel, which was a neighboring village, mm -hmm. who came to... Uh, to find work and a new life for their families. 
Um, so just to, uh, because our audience uh, spans as far as Australia and, uh, you know, obviously uh, the world of uh, wrestling is followed anywhere in the world, but, uh, um, and I also love uh, numbers and statistics, and please correct me if I'm um, not accurate, uh, but I was looking at 188 sold out um matches at the Madison Square Garden, which is a, a, an incredible number, especially if you think of Billy Joel, U2, Rolling Stone, and Janet Jackson combined don't even get to that number, right? Um, in 1955, he was uh, the strongest man in the world. Okay. And he held the championship belt for 2,803 days. These are um, amazing uh, numbers. And uh, whether uh, people have followed the sport or they're new, they're just like major, major uh, achievements. So we will be splitting this conversation between, again, the achievements as a, in the world of sports, but also the person that you, Daryl, call Papa you called uh, uh, the, the, the human um, aspects. So um, let's uh, backtrack a little bit about how did Bruno and when did Bruno come to the United States? Um, Daryl, would you uh, want to uh, give us a little bit of the family history? Yeah, uh, he came here in 1950. And I believe, Larry, was it in the, was it in the wintertime? Yes, uh, yeah. actually, it, it was several years after the war because of his illnesses. He actually, the family was not able to emigrate. Uh, your grandfather, as you know, Daryl worked in Pittsburgh, but he would travel back and forth to Pizza Parade 10 times. So Bruno grew up not really knowing his dad because he had been separated. The war kept them from coming uh, together so that he had no idea from Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, what was happening with his family, his wife and three children at the time, Bruno, Mary and Paul, they had no idea. Can you imagine mm -hmm. what happened to his family? So once that war was over, uh, your grandfather's letter to the family was the first letter received, as I recall, uh, to the little town. And then they found out that they were okay, but they felt it was best to come after their town was decimated and destroyed by the war to come to America. But it took them several years because Bruno had rheumatic fever and he was not physically able to travel. And then once he finally was healthy enough, they came and met, really met the their father because they hadn't yeah. seen him. And, and, uh, that must have been an unbelievable experience, Daryl. And you, you know, your dad talked about that a yeah. lot. It, my dad, it was actually a funny story. He said the first time he, he was looking for his dad, he was expecting this guy to be six foot two and real bulky and jet black hair slicked back. <laughs> and then he saw his dad, who was maybe five foot eight, pretty <laughs> You know, my dad was in shock. But, uh, <laughs> so. 
Uh, just to play out of uh, these expectations, is anyone else in your family as tall as your dad was? I don't know how tall you are, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm five foot ten. Uh, my my uh, my twin was he was five foot ten. Uh, my older brother's about five foot nine, and okay. uh, but my son's approaching six foot. Okay, so and, it's. Uh... And it's Bruno Leopoldo, Francesco, San Martino the second. Ah, so you kept the full, full, full uh, yeah. name. That's fantastic. Um, Larry, you had mentioned, and also Daryl, you can, um, uh, that uh, uh, Bruno was uh, indeed suffering from uh, a type of uh, uh, fever, you said, that would, uh, what would have been the consequences or what the doctors would have expected uh, that type of uh, problem to develop into? Well, rheumatic fever, when they hid from the Nazis for 14 months, they were already in a remote village where they lived. They had to escape a day's walk deeper into the mountains of Valoraca. And uh, he was carried off the mountain to go back to the village because of his rheumatic fever. And then later on in life, uh, not not knowing that had that had affected his heart. But there was one point that you will see in the documentary where they didn't expect Bruno to live because of the sickness. And his mother put these leeches on him, which she... Yes. And so uh, rheumatic fever, and he survived. And the doctor was surprised he's still alive and... Uh, you know, you're not allowed to put leeches on the boy. And she said, well, I don't care about that. And it seemed to work. So mm -hmm. it was rather miraculous, don't you think, Daryl? Absolutely. And so what we you know, came to find out, or when you have rheumatic fever, eventually it's going to, you're going to get congestive heart failure. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know that until, you know, my dad started getting you know, sick with uh, congestive heart failure and, and uh, none of us knew that. So mm -hmm. that's why even more amazing his career. I mean, he wrestled over oh 8,000, 9,000 matches and you figure you're getting body slammed, you know, and landing on your back at least five, six times. So do the math. And it, it was just absolutely amazing. He was as tough as tough can be. Uh, with a golden heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so actually, as I said, this is uh, his story is kind of miraculous on many different aspects. And uh, so um, when he arrived to the United States, uh, new world, new language, uh, family ties probably interrupted uh, because of the long journey and the new life. Uh, probably it was also a climate where Italians in those years might have gone through some bullying. Uh, can you comment on that? And do you think that could have been also a factor that created uh, these um, these other, uh, you know, created uh, maybe Bruno to create his shield by also working on his on his body and becoming then the athlete that we are uh, um, familiar with. So um, 
would you want to comment on what uh, his experience was um, uh, from uh, maybe stories that he shared um, about his arrival? Larry, you want me to take that one or you want to do? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, he came here as a 75 pound weakling, 13 years old, didn't know the language, was sickly and was bullied quite often. And then that's where the dynamic change happened, right, Daryl? Yeah, and all the bullies disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> there was a young a Jewish man that took an interest in, in helping Bruno face the bullies. So he took him to the gym and he showed him weightlifting. And, and, and your dad said, Daryl, to me, the minute he started lifting weights, that was it. He knew that this was his thing for his life. And uh, even though in his words, he said, I couldn't even lift a feather, (laughs) (laughs) but he did it. Uh, passionately he did it naturally and he just stunned his brother Paul and his family and after a while once he gained you know the muscle and stature uh, the bullies crossed the street and didn't want anything to do with Bruno mm-hmm. um, I would uh, so I'm gonna uh, while we will continue this conversation uh, we will obviously dive in into uh, more aspects of uh, uh, Bruno's life, uh, your family life, uh, your mom as well. But I would like to uh, just play the trailer of the uh, documentary because this is also going to be a part of the conversation so that people can get a, an initial taste of a beautiful, beautiful documentary. As I said, at the end of the projection that was uh, this uh, past October, I had uh, teary, uh, teary eyes. So let me just bring it back. You better hear this capacity crowd chanting, Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. Worldwide wrestling federation champion, Bruno. I am the man who broke your neck, Bruno. They said that you came within a millimeter of being paralyzed. Italian people are at last coming to the day of liberation from their real enemy, the Nazis. Bruno Martino was my father's uh, favorite performer, was his father's favorite performer. He lifted people up to about 400 pounds overhead. He bench presses 500 pounds like nothing. He, for years and years and years, sold out Madison Square Garden. So he was, without any doubt, the most popular wrestler. This is the star of all stars. I want to be the best I can be to be a good provider for my family. I wanted them to have a better life than I'd ever known. The fans, all the fans did come out. And whatever success I've had, I owe it all to you. It is one of the greatest immigration stories that anyone can think of when you talk about Bruno Sammartino. It is a powerful story. It is a powerful message. 
and uh, and uh, in the images. So right now we're talking about you know your your father being this giant, the star of all stars, and uh, but there were some other little picture of the family life that caught my attention. I believe uh, there is one with um, his mother, your uh, nonna. Uh, which is going to, which uh, who is a, a an instrumental part of the um, documentary, um, because um, this is a story of survival on many different aspects. And uh, I'm going to backtrack for a second. And Larry, the question is for you: How did the idea of creating this documentary um, come about? Well, for me. It started, I had a television show, and um, the producer told me, hey, we booked Bruno Sammartino. I grew up with three brothers in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We watched Bruno every Saturday religiously. It was appointment television. And um, I told my late father-in-law, Dan Marino Sr., uh, who is the father of the famous football player, who played in the National Football League for many years, Hall of Famer. And I said, I'm excited. We're going to have Bruno Sammartino on my show. And he said, I went to school with Bruno when he emigrated from Italy. And I said, what? So he brought me pictures. They were in classmates together through high school at Shenley High School. And so he said, tell Bruno, I said, hello. So when I had Bruno on the show and we were talking and I said, my father-in-law says hello. Who's your father-in-law? And then, oh, you know, there was a connection immediately. But what was most powerful, I only knew him as this great wrestling champion. And live on television, he started to tell the story about being captured by the Nazis from their hiding place, being lined up with a machine gun to be executed, and his mother telling him and brother Paul and Mary, we're going to be okay. You'll never be called again. We'll never be hungry. We'll be together with Jesus in paradise. And just then, they were saved by some of the militia from their own village that had followed the Germans that had come to their hiding place. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, why doesn't anybody know this story? This is so powerful and so much bigger than a wrestling champion, which was great in and of itself. But everything Bruno did was in part to show his mother who showed such extraordinary bravery that her sacrifice was worth it. And he never wanted to do anything other than pay tribute to his mother and father and, and be all he could be. And so that's the real story. It's where does the heart of this champion come from? It comes from the love of his mother and the heart of a lion that she displayed in the face of death many times and i thought we've got to tell this story so i met a man the late marty lazaro and he wanted to tell this story and so many people wanted to share in this so it took a long time right daryl but yeah finally finally viviana we talked to bruno and his mother daryl's mother carol and uh, i said look we're, we're going to finish this documentary but it's going to be the story you want to tell, Bruno. And so I think we we stayed uh, with that in mind the whole time. And Bruno saw what was the 
pretty much the final storyline and approved uh, this documentary, right, Daryl? Absolutely. And it's the way he wanted the story told. There were many, many producers from Hollywood that wanted to make movies of my dad, but they wanted to so-called it. That absolutely didn't didn't want that. He wanted it told his own way. So mm-hmm. he probably turned down a lot of money, but it wasn't all, it wasn't about money for him. He wanted the true, accurate story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a, a, still a follow up question for you, Daryl, because uh, uh, some people that have lived such a traumatic experience, but now it's more about the trauma. It's just those are they came to the United States or to other countries for a better future. So some of them kind of they put it on the side and kind of lock those memories. Was he, uh, was he actually uh, sharing those stories when you guys growing up or did he shelter you from, uh, not hide, but maybe didn't oh. volunteer as much information while you guys were uh, growing up? No, no, no. He was very outspoken about it, especially when it came to, you know, uh, finishing your dinner. You had to finish every piece of food on the plate. You know? <laughs> He didn't have food. He ate snow and grass for 14 months. So mm-hmm. he was very open about everything. You know, all the stories I mean, you know, my family, we've known that for years and years and years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so also uh, at what point, uh, so let's talk a, about a little bit of the, um, his uh, career. Uh, so Larry indicated that I believe there was a Jewish man that kind of led him to the gym. And that was the beginning of uh, some of the first matches or something, some events that represented a breakthrough in his uh, career. Well, I'll, I'll give one funny story real quick, and then I'll tell you how everything happened. He was working uh, construction and uh, he had heard that you know, he was, wasn't making any money and he had heard up in Butler, Pennsylvania, you could go there and wrestle a monkey and get $50. And back then $50 is a lot of money. It was a lot of money. Yes. So he goes to Butler with a couple of his friends and he sees this cage with tarp over it, violently shaking. And my dad thought, wait a minute, it's supposed to be just a little monkey in here. So they, they took out the, the they took off the tarp and there's just orangutan. Oh my god. <laughs> my dad's like, I can't back out of this now. My buddies are gonna make fun of me. So he got in the ring and fought the orangutan. The orangutan was swinging off the fence, kicking my dad's in the in the face. Uh, I guess his feet were like pistons, my dad said. Ripped all my dad's clothes off, swallowed up his eyes, shut, couldn't even see. And then my dad got mad, punched the monkey. And got disqualified, so he went home battered, bloody, and no fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny! He used to always tell that story. It's funny, but you know when uh, he started lifting weights, he started seeing gains that he was making, and really motivated him. So uh, you know that's and then so Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, he would go to the gym to work out. And those are like three, four hour workouts. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, he would go up to the University of Pittsburgh and amateur wrestle with the wrestling team. Mm-hmm. He did that for, for years. And then uh, uh, a guy named Rudy Miller, who was a promoter here in Pittsburgh, my dad started uh, working out, going in contests, weightlifting contests. And he won the uh, Oklahoma uh, State Championship. 
And he came back to Pittsburgh and a guy named Bob Prince, who was the, the uh, voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates, had my dad on his show. Well, the wrestling promoter, Rudy Miller, saw the show and he's like, oh, I got to meet this Bruno. So he met my dad and asked my dad if he wanted to, wanted to be a wrestler. And my dad's like, sure. And he's like, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to send you to Washington, D.C. And you're going to work out in the ring with some old timers. And people can say whatever they want, but these old timers, they give you a beating to see if you can take it. If you can take it, then you belonged. If you couldn't, see you later. (laughs) And I should go back because he also had a, uh, he was going to have a try with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. I was going to give him a tryout. But uh, back then, to be a lineman in the NFL, you were making 9,000 a year. To wrestle, if you made it, you were starting out at 35,000 a year. Wow, that depends. Yeah, so it wasn't much of a decision for him to make. Yeah. Uh, Larry, you uh, in the uh, documentary, uh, you balance very well uh, informations, uh, information and, and videos between, again, the progression of the career and some historical um, uh, footage and also reenactments of some of the uh, historical uh, scenes. Um, I was wondering... Um, First of all, were you also involved into selecting the actors that uh, played out uh, the characters in the historical reenactments of the scenes? We had worked with uh, Patria Patrick was our director and mm-hmm. editor, and she lives in California. So the reenactments, as you've seen, are very important to tell the story. So she actually was the casting director for uh, all those reenactments and she did a great job. She has a very long history and award-winning documentarian. So uh, I thought that was an important piece to tell the story. And I think Patria may have a song or so, I believe having heard her voice uh, towards the end of the documentary, if I uh, remember uh, correctly. Um, so the, uh, the other question for you, um, Larry, how, and I'm sure you have done the research, you might have done some in, uh, along with Daryl and the family, how long and how difficult was it to put this puzzle, all the pieces of this puzzle together in, um, in eventually the, the beautiful documentary that we, um, we see and uh, were there any trips back to Pizzo Ferrato to again to collect um, some of those tassels? Yes, we traveled. Uh, well, there were three trips to the hometown in Pizzo Ferrato. The first one was in 2010, and then the last one was in 2017 in the summer because they had erected a statue in the piazza of Bruno's hometown. So we went back to document this final piece because they had also named this very small medical center after his mother, Amelia. So he wanted to be there. And uh, he was not in great health, but he really fought 
to be there because he said to us and Daryl, you remember him saying, I will not be denied this trip. Absolutely. And so that turned out to be his final trip. But going back to the hometown in that summer evening, we showed a rough cut of the documentary and there were many of the townspeople who were still alive, like Bruno, who were children then, uh, who lived through the same thing. So it was a very powerful evening. And I think that uh, based on Bruno's popularity around the world, we wanted to tell this, share this story. And uh, I think we, we, based on the fact that it was what Bruno wanted us to do, I think it really told the story. And I think Absolutely. he was very happy with it. Right, Daryl? Absolutely, 100%. So, uh, go ahead. No, my mom was very, very happy and pleased with it, too. <laughs> so, and I was going to ask you the, the family life, as I said, uh, because of uh, uh, us watching uh, the men on, uh, behind the screen or the men talked uh, in, uh, about in the newspapers. Um, your, your family life, was it easy or was it challenging in time to shelter your privacy as the, the San Martino family or did you all enjoy being out there with uh, the, the public? I mean, he, he was so loved that uh, maybe that was enjoyable as well. I, I... Yeah, it, it was, uh, sometimes it was easy. Sometimes it was hard uh, as the hard parts were, you know, kids, they can be cruel. And, you know, they would say to me and my twin brother, oh, you're, you're Bruno San Martino's son. No, you think you're tough. Mm. So things like that happen. But, uh, but on the other hand, a lot of people would say, oh, you're Bruno's son. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, your dad was such a great guy or he is a great guy. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it was good. But having my dad as a dad was just like anybody else's dad. It's just he just had a different job. Mm-hmm. He was very, very humble. That was just you can ask Larry. It was just a job to him to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. All the other stuff. He didn't even I don't even think he really understood what a huge star that he was. Mm hmm. You agree, Larry? I, I don't think he, he knew it. Like he had it and he didn't know what it was. Yeah, he left the active wrestling scene and then he was a color commentator for several years with Vince McMahon. And once he left that, he was still very young in his early 50s and he had felt like, okay, you know, my star power is going to fade pretty quick and no one will really remember me. And Boy, quite the opposite happened when we would travel to Italy, uh, to New York City, to Madison Square Garden in 2013 for the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, it was the stars that paid homage to him, like John Cena and The Rock and these guys that are mega stars today. Donald and Trump. Donald Trump back then. And this is way before the presidential thing. He, he loved Bruno. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, somebody who arguably he's one of the most famous people on the planet who told us that he was an inspiration. So we interviewed Arnold for the documentary and he ends up saying, you know, this is the star of all stars, Bruno <laughs> Sabatino, you know? Uh, and then you had guys like Mike Tyson, the boxer mm-hmm. who uh, looked up to Bruno when he was a young uh, up and coming fighter because of Bruno's uh, toughness and, 
natural way that he was able to build his body up. And then uh, Bruno Mars, the singer is named after him. And uh, we ended up having an opportunity in Pittsburgh to have Bruno meet Bruno. And it was just an amazing night because we didn't know how it would go because Bruno Mars, this big international singing sensation, but he treated uh, Bruno with great respect because at one point he had said, I don't know, I'm named after some old fat wrestler. And Bruno <laughs> didn't forget that. So uh, <laughs> when they met, his father nicknamed him when he was in his diaper, oh, Bruno, because he reminded him of his favorite wrestler. So Bruno had asked me, should I take him, you know, something? And I said, yeah, something he could give to his dad. Bruno Mars has all the money he needs to buy whatever, but he couldn't buy this. So he got a, a replica of his championship belt. And when he handed that to him, this uh, Bruno Mars face was just, uh, it was worth a million bucks just to see that. And then the picture of the two of them went viral the next day around the world. It was the most viewed picture on the planet for a day. And Associated Press, New York Times, LA Times, they all called. Bruno to say, wow, this, this is this true? And kind of connected a whole new generation to Bruno. And when I asked Bruno Mars, okay, so you, we know where Bruno came from. Where did Mars come from? And he goes, because girls think I'm out of this world. <laughs> Similar to what Daryl has to deal with, right, Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daryl, if I may ask you, what line of business are you in? No, I'm here. Now, what, kind of, what line of business are you in? Law enforcement. Okay, okay. So we have to, uh, we got to be at our best behavior. Obviously, talking, you know, is a champion, Italian champion. How much food and were there any dietary, um, you know, in order to keep up his muscle mass and so forth, or maybe something that he would totally love to eat until there, there was no tomorrow. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what was on the table, uh, both as an athlete or maybe as just a, a regular person that really, really loved something? Well, the short answer is everything. But uh, <laughs> growing up, we had a lot of, uh, you know, fish and chicken, high protein foods, mm -hmm. never had junk food in the house. And my dad thought, you know, Oh, you know, I want to eat steak. Steak's really good for you. So when he could afford it, he started buying steaks and eating steak all the time. And then, we, then he found out steak isn't really good for you all the time. So then we went to chicken and fish and, you know, he ate a lot of pasta, a lot of seafood, salads, but uh, no junk food. Mm -hmm. Okay, niente cibo spazzatura. Some of the traditions that uh, you guys uh, cherish uh, the most, and this is both for you because uh, uh, also you, Larry, are indeed from that geographical area. So I was wondering if anything trickled down uh, to your generation. But um, so let's start with you, Daryl, if there was any specific um, holiday tradition or anything. Or um, on its second, sorry, I always ask one question, then the second one comes to mind. If there was any superstitious, anything um, that he would do before a match? No, the only thing he would do before his match is where get a good sweat up. He would, he would stretch and he would run. He would jog inside the arena. Uh, so he was ready to go, you know, when he went, in, went inside the ring. As far as uh, like 
family traditions. Uh, every New Year's Eve, uh, me and my brother would go to my parents' house and, and our wives, and uh, I would help my dad make the, uh, the seafood salad. Mm -hmm. So there were smelts, there was shrimp, there was uh, uh, peppers, onions, the, uh, uh, what's it called, calamari. Mm -hmm. And I'll clean, you know, all that stuff up. It takes a while. And then we would eat that on, on New Year's Day with Ita Italian bread. And we did that every year. Mm -hmm. every, and we also had lamb every Sunday. Okay, wonderful. Larry, yeah. I, I also know that you have to leave us soon. I was wondering if you have any uh, traditions that you uh, consider maybe coming from Abruzzo that you might have grown up with that you might have retained or maybe not. Well, for me, what was amazing is my late father-in-law was such a wonderful guy and he and I would speak every single day and you know, occasionally he would tell me about growing up with his father passed away at age two because he was burned in a steel mill in Pittsburgh. So he was raised by his immigrant grandparents and his mother. They spoke only Italian and he learned both. Mm -hmm. And he would tell me about his grandfather's traditions of not wasting anything. And his from this place called Pizza Ferrar. And, mm -hmm. and never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would end up in this village with Bruno mm -hmm. and end up meeting some of their family. And so I was a meat and potatoes kid growing up being Irish and German. But when I kind of immigrated into the Italian American tradition, I, I discovered this whole new culinary world. Uh, and my mother-in-law was and still is a great cook and my wife too. So I get to eat and discover all these great Italian dishes. In fact, I'm going to a dinner meeting at a place called Rico's in Pittsburgh, uh -huh. and Rico Lorenzini yes, indeed. was from the <clears throat> same same general area and mm -hmm. is about the same age as Bruno, and he suffered some of the same horrors of the war as a young boy, too. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, I've been extraordinarily uh, blessed to have mm -hmm my Italian-American family, and then uh, be able to travel with Bruno and Daryl and experience all these things. And, and I do want to recognize the, the men who believed in this project with our HM3 Bruno LLC, uh, because without them, this wouldn't have happened. So mm -hmm. I have uh, partners that believed in this story. And once they met Bruno, they they kind of, they like me, uh, were all into, you know, put the investment into making sure this documentary happened. And uh, that's Pat Hampson and Michael Young and Christopher uh, Martin and Chris Cafardi uh, and this guy named Craig Koryak. And without them, this, this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are uh, seeing a picture that I have taken, so it's not the greatest of quality, but that was indeed October 6, 2022. This is when uh, the, uh, I believe the documentary premiered in, in Pittsburgh. There was the Q&A afterwards. Um, and as I said, um, needless to say that the whole crowd was followed. I was actually taking notes. I was looking for my notebook with all the notes uh, because there was a lot of information that I was not 
um, familiar with. So it was educative also in, in that way. Um, so thank you again for uh, sharing this, uh, uh, this story for with all of us. And uh, for those of you, just to conclude, that would like to see the uh, documentary, uh, Larry, what, where, what is the best way to, uh, to go about it? You can go to brunosamartino.org, but just about anywhere that you can stream and rent, uh, you know, movies or documentaries, it's available everywhere and on Amazon if you'd like to purchase a DVD, which is a great keepsake item, too, mm -hmm. because uh, it's beautifully packaged with a picture of Bruno and his mother. And all you have to do is search Bruno San Martino. It's the authorized biography of wrestling's greatest champion. Mm -hmm. uh, to conclude, Daryl, what do you think was the key message? Uh, or I, I'm sure it is more than one learnings that your father tried to instill in, in, in you guys. Basically, that his mother had a heart of a lion. Uh, and... Uh, you have to really fight to get what you want, you, you know, and you, you never, you never give up, you never quit. And, uh, it takes a lot, a lot of sacrifice and hard work, but if you, uh, if you do all that, then you will be successful and how important family is too. Um, indeed. And, uh, for those of you living in a uh, Ross township, you can uh, now visit also the San Martino, uh, park. <laughs> Well, uh, I thank you both for taking the time to uh, be on the Italian Radio Hour. Maybe if you would consider doing a screening here at Istituto Mondo Italiano, we'd be super honored, but I, I know that you can't commit to anything. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I won't tell anyone, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately. No, no, we, we, we would be happy to do that. And I think Bruno would have really appreciated especially the Italian-American community. And uh, he was loved around the world, wherever he wrestled. And he was gracious and humble. And it is a, an amazing immigration story and a story of uh, a son's love for his mom and his mother's uh, love that saved so many people during the most challenging time in Italian history of World War II. Mm -hmm. um, so, hello. yes. So, yes, yeah. it's a commitment that we have a yes. <laughs> Yes, we will we'll work it out. And uh... Benicio, so we'll uh, we'll talk about it whenever time is convenient. But unfortunately, our time is up. Il Big Ben ha detto stop. It is time for us to say arrivederci e alla prossima. We want to thank you for tuning in into the program. If you have any questions or comments, or if you have any topics you would like us to address, please contact us at theitalianradiohour at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And remember, if you or any of your family and friends have missed a prior episode or would like to listen to this episode again, please visit our website at www.istitutomondoitaliano.org and click on the Italian Radio Hour tab. You can also subscribe to the Italian Radio Hour on YouTube or where you catch your favorite podcasts. I would like to um, thank our guests, uh, Daryl San Martino and Larry Richard. Our sponsor, Istituto Mondo Italiano, e alla Boara for the music. Until next time, alla prossima. Ciao, ciao. Thank you very much.
Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Buon... <ride>